0: When you're looking for answers to the big questions about your life, your purpose, your afterlife, is the Bible the top authority? Or are there other sources of information that you would say are equal to the Bible?
1: Why should we trust the Bible? This week on Creation Magazine LIVE! God's Word, the Bible, is an accurate account of creation and it tells us how people can have a relationship with the Creator. Honoring God and explaining aspects of His Word is the focus of this podcast. Welcome to Creation Magazine LIVE! My name is Richard Fangrad. And I'm Thomas Bailey. Now, This week our topic is, why should we trust the Bible? After all, humans are pretty smart, right? Uh, most people think <laughs> that they are the best person to determine truth about what life is all about, how they ought to live. Should we really trust a book completed nearly 2,000 years ago with the important issues of life? Yes, we should. <laughs> And we'll throw out some thoughts for you to consider in this next half
0: hour. See, this really is a part two to a show that we did a few years ago titled Genesis, A Case Study for Biblical Authority. You can find that at creation.com slash CML517. It's also a continuation of last week's show where we dealt with the topic of the inerrancy of Scripture. Right. Last week we talked about why the Bible is inerrant, meaning contains no errors. Yes, the Bible has two authors, God and man, but we explained how God is the ultimate author, ultimately responsible for its content, and that's what makes it inerrant. Right,
1: yeah, Yeah. and we mentioned that when the Bible speaks, God speaks. Or as as Justin Peters put it, if you want to hear God speak, read your Bible. If you want to hear God speak audibly, read your Bible out loud. So there you (laughs) go. Uh, The Bible is literally the Word of God, and that was last week's main point. Now, for more details, you can watch last week's show online at creation.com slash CML721.
0: And as we closed last week, we mentioned the inseparable link between biblical inerrancy and biblical authority. Since the Bible is the word of the one who knows everything about everything, it is therefore inerrant. Yes. Since it's inerrant communication to us from the Creator God... It is therefore the highest authority on truth, right and wrong, on everything that it communicates. No other information from any source can supersede its authority. Biblical authority is where the buck stops. Once the Bible has spoken, that ends the debate.
1: That's right. Yeah. Now if we think about the application of that in our lives, biblical authority refers to the extent to which biblical doctrines are authoritative over uh, human belief and conduct. Uh, Someone, for example, who holds to a high level of biblical authority places their beliefs and opinions, and ultimately their behavior and their actions, in a secondary position to what the Bible says on any given issue. Someone who holds to a low level of biblical authority might mingle Scripture together with other concepts that they think hold equal or greater authority than those in Scripture.
0: For Christians, biblical authority is the main issue at the root of the creation-evolution debate. It is. Over the controversy over the age of the earth, increasing lawlessness, and for any other issues where extra-biblical ideas are at odds with the biblical text.
1: Yeah, biblical authority is so significant that the doctor, Martin Lloyd-Jones, the great preacher who for almost 30 years taught God's Word at Westminster Chapel in London, he said this, There can be no doubt whatsoever that all the troubles in the church today and most of the troubles in the world are due to a departure from biblical
0: authority. Wow, quite a statement. Dr. Carl Wieland, founder of Creation Magazine, calls it the issue of issues, saying, Of the issues that are most important in Christianity, there is one that overshadows, engulfs, and trumps them all. It is the one issue that can be truly called the issue of issues in Christianity, the truth and authority of the Bible.
1: Yeah, One of the things that can really help in developing a high view of God and a high view of His Word is understanding that it is inerrant. Mm. And we talked about that last week. Uh, John MacArthur summarizes some related points, saying, Scripture is logical because God is logical. Scripture is non-contradictory because God is non-contradictory. Scripture is clear because God is clear. There are no errors, no discrepancies, no lies, no unsound truths, no fantasies, no absurdities, no inconsistencies, no myths. It is infallible, it is inerrant, it is true, and it is to be understood by normal mental powers. There you are. Mm.
0: Because it is infallible, that's what gives it the highest authority. Yes. It speaks the truth on every area that it covers. No human opinion supersedes it. Charles Spurgeon said, "...I hold one sentence out of God's word to be of more certainty and of more power than all the discoveries of all the learned men of all the ages." So one of the keys to growing in our walk with Christ
1: is to to continually defer to Scripture whenever we're trying to figure life out and figure
0: out how we should think and live. One of the biggest hindrances to Christians adopting a high level of biblical authority is the effect that postmodernism has had on the world and on our thinking. Yeah. Sadly, most people have been influenced by it. Some more, some less. Postmodernism is, in many ways, the polar opposite to the Christian worldview.
1: It is, Yeah, we're going to explain that. Postmodernism is based on the, on the faulty idea that truth cannot be known for sure. So if you cannot know truth for sure, then it's arrogant to say that you know anything to be true or false, and, and there, there's definitely no welcome mat out for anybody who says, I know for sure what God thinks. <laughs> so two features of postmodernism are pluralism and tolerance. There's a, a plurality of possibilities. We can't know which one is right, so we need to tolerate all of them.
0: Postmodernism. Except, of course, the possibility that truth can be known, and it is distinguishable from error.
1: Right, yeah, yeah. postmodernism is intolerant of, of that position. Yeah.
0: Yet, as Christians, we can know for sure what God thinks since we have His inerrant Word. Right. And we can know the truth for sure. Yes. But to the postmodern mindset, God and His Word are offensive. Jesus' statement in John 14, for example, about Him being the way, the truth, and the life, and that salvation is through Him alone, are labeled as narrow minded and bigoted against all of the other views.
1: Right. Yeah. People affected by postmodernism have a significant hurdle to overcome if they are to understand reality. And and that, by the way, when we use the word truth, that's what we mean. We mean reality, the way things really are. Think of truth as synonymous with reality.
0: What might help is if we outline the different means by which people have determined truth in the past, from the beginnings of the church leading up to today's postmodernism, And this is wrapped up, at least initially, with how God's Word has been understood in the past.
1: Yeah, that's right, let's just do a quick overview of the history of the fall away from biblical authority to, where we find ourselves today, or in a more general sense, how truth was determined since the early church up to now. now. By the year AD 250 there was nearly universal agreement on the canon of Hebrew Scripture, on the 66 individual books that the Bible is composed of. And the initial belief was, let's see what the author meant by what was written. Let's draw the meaning from the text, being faithful to the style it was written in, of course. When we do that, we'll have truth from God." And that was Augustine's great contribution to understanding
0: truth. Then as Catholicism gained ground, it became, what does the church think the author means? And that was easy to do, because no one held a Bible. Bibles were locked up and unavailable for people aside from the clergy, so there was no way to verify what the priests were teaching. We're very privileged today, most people can get a copy of the Bible. It wasn't always like that.
1: That's right, Yeah, William Tyndale is a key figure in church history who changed that. He understood that the Bible is the ultimate authority. In 1523, in Gloucestershire, England, uh, during a dinner with high officials of the Roman Catholic Church, Tyndale had a heated discussion on the importance of the Scriptures. One church official said that he would rather have the Pope's laws than God's laws. To which Tyndale famously replied, If God spares my life, ere many years, I will cause the boy that drives the plow to know
0: more of Scripture than you do." Fighting words! (laughs) (laughs) And then he set about to translate the Bible into English, the language of the people, which was illegal, by the way, and ultimately cost him his life. Tyndale was executed on October 6, 1536. He was strangled, burned, and his body blown apart by Mm gunpowder. His last words were, Lord, open the King of England's eyes, because he recognized biblical authority and realized that if people could have the Bible in their own language, it would change the world.
1: Yes, and history has proven him right. Uh, Tyndale biographer Steve Lawson said, there's no doubt that by his monumental work Tyndale changed the course of English history and Western civilization. Mm.
0: We're in the middle of recounting the historical events that led away from biblical authority to postmodernism, to try to better understand the resistance to biblical authority today. Right. Moving forward to
1: the Enlightenment in the mid-1700s, we saw the birth of modernism. Modernism said that science and human reason was the path to understanding truth, not revelation from God via the Bible. Um, we, we can reason our way to truth, we can find out how everything works, and then we'll know the truth about life, the
0: universe, and everything. Well, the Enlightenment, well that's a, a very positive spin on a movement that could actually, that actually resulted in a shift away from finding the truth, not toward it. Yeah. It really ought to be called the Endarkenment, since it was all about trying to arrive at truth from an inferior means. Yeah. It was the abandonment of biblical authority.
1: Yeah, think about that. If you want to know something, about any, anything, just just pick a topic. Say you want to know what's involved in building a rocket to go to the moon. Now you could ask a, a space enthusiast, perhaps an engineer, and they might be able to provide you with a lot of details. But the best source would be to consult the people who engineered and built the Saturn V rocket that propelled people to the moon. All right.
0: In a similar way, if you want to really understand what life is about and what our priorities as humans should be, it would be best to consult the Creator God who made the universe and in whose likeness we were made. Right. There's no higher authority that we could s- consult, and He's communicated to us in written form, the Bible. Biblical authority.
1: Yeah. Moving on, right after the, the endarkenment, <laughs> uh, so now we're in the, the late 1700s, early 1800s, Friedrich Schleiermacher, the the father of the modern version of liberal theology, liberal theology started years before, but he began applying enlightenment principles to understanding the biblical text. He said it was all about the psychology of the biblical authors. It wasn't like, what did Paul really mean? It was, who is Paul? Let's let's get into the psychology of Paul and figure out what he was all about, and then we'll be able to figure out what their message was really all about. Mm.
0: Liberal theology progressed in the 1800s, now it wasn't about what the text means or what the author is about, but we can't be sure that the document is reliable. Yeah. And we're not sure it's even written by those people.
1: Right. Yeah, Moses didn't write the Pentateuch, and, and, and he got some help from J, E, D, and P, and there may have been two or three or seven Isaiahs, who knows, and Mark and Q were maybe the source of the Synoptic Gospels. Liberal theology destroyed the source.
0: Then in the 1940s, nuclear destruction brought doubts about science being the answer. That's right. And there was a realization that maybe human reasoning isn't all it's cracked up to be. So, beginning in the 1940s, modernism began to crumble. Then it died in the 1960s, and after that came postmodernism.
1: And postmodernism found yet another way to get further from biblical truth. But where else can you go? There's really only one place to go. After you get you get rid of the author, you get rid of the author's intent, you get rid of the text. It it used to be centered on what the author meant, then it was centered on the author, then it was centered on whether the text was reliable or not. Now the only place left to go is
0: the reader. Have you heard of reader response theory? Some of you might remember the Phil Donahue Show. Remember how he would go around with the microphone, what what does that mean to you? Oh, that's nice. What does that mean to you? Oh, that's nice. What does that mean to you? Oh, that's nice too. Reader response theory argues that a text has no meaning before a reader experiences or reads it.
1: Yeah, a a lot of you uh, won't know about Phil Donahue. Uh, Another example. My wife and I were in a Bible study uh, years ago, and we had these worksheets that went along with it, and, and one of the questions was, what does the text mean to you? Now, there's an example of, of trying to mix postmodernism with Christianity. My wife kind of nudged me and leaned over and crossed out the words, to you. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it means to you. All that matters is what it means. And then you can figure out the implications for your life.
0: But it's actually gone even further than that in recent years. Yeah. Yep. Today it's like reader response theory on steroids. It's not about facts or trying to get at truth at all, it's about feelings. Mm. If you say something that makes someone else uncomfortable, regardless of how true it is, then you're wrong. So truth is determined by feelings. How would that alter some of the game shows today?
1: Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Yep, facts don't matter. Sorry Jeannie, your answer was correct, but Greg was offended, so he gets the point. Now obviously you can see how someone who's influenced by today's postmodern thinking is not only going to have a tough time grappling with reality in general, you're going to have a tough time with biblical authority, where God communicates what reality is and what life is all about.
0: This is a huge topic, and yeah. we could examine it from many angles. For example, we can go back through church history again, this time examining what has been said in favor of biblical authority, unlike what we just did, ta- talking about attempts to compromise biblical authority.
1: Right, yeah, so good examples, not bad examples. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, we mentioned that with the rise of Catholicism, The truth from God became hidden so that only the clergy were permitted to read the Bible. Uh, In the early 1500's one of those clergymen was Martin Luther. Now, His contribution to returning the church to biblical authority cannot be overestimated. When studying Scripture, he realized that the church was way off in, in many areas, most significantly the Gospel, and he did something about it. He began pointing out some of those areas to church leaders.
0: Well, sadly they didn't listen and wanted to shut him down, demanding that he not teach biblical truths. He refused. They dragged him before church officials, demanding that he recant, and his response provides for us an example of someone who held to a high level of biblical authority. He said, "'Unless I am convicted by Scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of the popes and council.' What he is saying is he doesn't accept it from men or from churches for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and I will not recant anything, for to go against conscience, which in his case would be violating what he believed about Scripture, is neither right nor safe. God help me. Amen." A
1: little over a hundred years after that event, in 1646 the Westminster Confession of Faith was composed. It was the result of a gathering of the best theological minds and the greatest Bible scholars in England who held, a high, they held to a high view of God and biblical authority, about a hundred of them or so, both, both lords and commoners together, they embarked on a five-year endeavor, five years of intense study of Scripture and discussion, five years to produce a statement of doctrine, a summary of biblical truths.
0: Chapter 1, Article 4 says, The authority of the Holy Scripture, for which it ought to be believed and obeyed, dependeth not upon the testimony of any man or church, those are the same points that Luther made, but wholly upon God, who is truth itself, the author thereof, and therefore it is to be received, because it is the Word of God." Right, And there's another
1: good example of biblical authority in action. Here's one more, from modern times, about why we should trust the Bible. John Frame writes, Divine authorship is the ultimate reason why Scripture is authoritative. Its authority is absolute because God's authority is absolute and scripture is his personal word to us.
0: And God's authority is absolute because of who he is. Yes. Firstly, he's the creator. Genesis 1:1, in the beginning God created. How much more authority do you need than that? Yes. God <laughs> is the highest authority.
1: Yeah, and he's the highest authority because he knows all things. Romans 11:33 to 36. Oh the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments, and how inscrutable His ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been His counselor? Or who has given a gift to Him, that He might be repaid? For from Him, and through Him, and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen."
0: You'll find many, many direct or indirect statements in Scripture about the authority of God. Yeah. Romans 13.1 is a great single verse to establish how extensive God's authority is. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist, because there are authorities and kings and so on that exist, those that exist have been instituted by God." So there's no authority
1: throughout all of time on this planet, good authority, bad authority, that has not been granted by God. Lots to think about. Let's summarize.
0: In the pre-modern era, from the apostles to the Enlightenment, authority came from God and objective truth could be known. The Enlightenment said that objective truth can still be discovered, but it's through human reasoning and science, not God. Postmodernism says that truth is subjective. Everyone has their own so called truth. Therefore, we need to tolerate all ideas, and there's no ultimate authority. Everyone is their own authority.
1: So it's no wonder that Christianity is so offensive to the postmodern mind, isn't it? I mean, the Bible makes truth claims and exposes error, and that Greats against the person who's bought into postmodernism.
0: So, what's the answer? The same as it's always been preach the gospel. Yes. Tell people the truth about reality. They are sinners. God is holy. He's provided salvation through Christ. Yes. There have always been falsehoods that have set themselves up against the knowledge of God. But don't underestimate the power of God working through the message of the gospel to change minds.
1: Yeah, it's the gospel that God uses to draw people to Himself. Now just to be clear, there, there are two ways, probably more, of talking about biblical authority. Now we, we can talk about uh, Scripture having the authority of God Himself, and that's been the focus this last half hour here. But the next step is, is a little more personal. We can talk about the extent to which biblical authority is applied to an individual's life. As in, what level of biblical authority does God's Word have in your thinking and in your actions and behaviour?
0: For example, how about issues that relate to creation? Will you allow God to have the final opinion and start your thinking from God's Word? Will you relegate human reasoning to a secondary position in your mind?
1: Yeah, and there's lots of issues out there that you could use as examples. To, I mean, where, where does biblical authority fall? Will you, uh, you know, whatever, animal rights or, or the the different so-called genders that are out there. There's there's many different issues that are hot-button topics. How about the age of the earth? Will, Will you start with God's Word and deduce the age of the earth from that? Or are you going to take human reasoning and majority opinion as truth and try and conform God's Word to that? Things to think about.
0: Creation Ministries International exists to help people make God's word the number 1 go-to source for truth.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Now, if you're skeptical about fully trusting the Bible as a guide for your life, our resources show how God's word can be trusted. Yes. Our website creation.com has more than 10,000 articles that give support for the accuracy of the text from many different fields of study.
1: Yeah, and our focus as a ministry is the creation evolution issue, and that's an yep. area where there's m- many, many outside opinions. But one of those articles on the website is is titled, Should We Trust the Bible? And it covers questions like the text being reliable and not having changed throughout history and whether there's archaeological support for the biblical events that are recorded there in Scripture. And that's just one article. And and there are many others that enable people to conclude that the Bible really can be trusted. That's what our ministry is ultimately all about. The, the, The foundational message is a Behind-the-scenes information. The foundational <laughs> message of Creation Ministries International is biblical authority, That's and right. we use the creation-evolution issue as as kind of like a case study for biblical authority. You look at that because because there's that area of scripture has so many outside ideas and opinions That's right. from people who are really smart. And so, what are you going to do? Go with scripture or go with people? That's
0: right. That's yeah. right. A lot of people want to uh, go with their own opinions and try to shovel that in. And uh, some will even go so far as to say that, well, you know, we know Genesis wasn't true, so how do we know the gospel about Jesus is true? Right. But if we can demonstrate that the Bible is accurate in one spot, then we can uh, lead people to understand that it's accurate all the way through.
1: That is the goal. Now, we'll see you next week. And remember, Christianity is an evidence-based faith. And
0: uh, science supports Scripture.
1: Today's episode was originally formatted for Broadcast TV and is available online at the links in the podcast show notes. Both are produced by Creation Ministries International, publishers of Creation Magazine. For more information for the accuracy of the Bible, visit creation.com. You can also donate to the ministry at creation.com slash donate. And thanks for listening.